Welcome back to the current review, the second section of the 16th episode of the current review. I am Tamsang Natu, otherwise known as TT. I am with Debo Hokozi from the Unset podcast. I am from the TT hookup. Uh, Debza, I don't know about you, man, but you know our my, my podcast, the TT hookup, is 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 getting quite a, a a lot of views, but I'm not getting the subscription numbers that I want. Uh, is it? And one of the reasons for that is that you yourself have have, have not subscribed to the TT hookup. Uh, uh, Mr. Pure Marty has not subscribed to <laughs> the TT hookup. And we talk about them a lot there, and they don't get to hear what we are saying about them. So uh, after this, please go and subscribe then. Uh, I feel bad. I will. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I subscribe to the Unzip podcast. By the way, Pure, uh, uh, welcome to the current review. Uh, where I think we're engaging with you for the second time. Uh, yes, first time this year. Congratulations to the ANC and the ANC Youth League on the celebration of the 112th uh, anniversary since the formation of the ANC and compliments of the new year. That is for you, Mr. Oh, com Martin. Hmm. Compliments, compliments uh, to you too, Mr. TT. Uh, let me then also greet our viewers. And also welcome Mr. Demokotsi, or rather greet him, rather, because I'm not the host <laughs> today, because I've been here a couple of times, so I feel like I'm part of the family. But thank you for having us. Yes. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to speak to you as an individual, uh, Piwe, Piwe Mate and his individual views. Uh, but unfortunately, you, you would always be representative of 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 other things that uh, you know are a part of you, most especially the 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 organization from which you come, uh, the ANC and the ANC Youth League. So do not be surprised Indeed. if majority of our engagement with you is around that. But today our focus is mainly on the January eighth segment of the ANC, its content, uh, and what it means for for young people generally uh, in twenty twenty four and the you know years to come. Uh, and the the perspective of the ANC Youth League, uh, I understand that you may have not had the opportunity to sit down after the ANC, you know, after the, the statement as the ANC Youth League to interrogate. But you may have general views as to what has been the perspective of the Youth League uh, on some of the issues mentioned in the January eight statement. Um, so be prepared for you know for that kind of engagement, as I know that you always are. Um, so the first thing that I want us to to look at is, you know, the ANC's acknowledgement of the fact that young people have played a very important role in shaping the democratic order and the contributions and their contributions to, you know, social issues. Uh, as mentioned above, how does the ANC Youth League feel about such an acknowledgement by the ANC? No, no, thanks, thanks, Titi. Uh, I think the, the acknowledgement in itself uh, is not is, is is something that is born from from facts. I think we can also trace you know the historical evolution of the struggle against apartheid and also the evolution of the ANC 
and the role that young people have played, different generations of young people that have contributed substantively to where the ANC is today and in shaping the program of action of the ANC because the contribution also is a contribution that is measurable, not only at the level of, you know, when you look at the massification of, of, of the struggle by young people, but also in terms of the policy perspective of the ANC. You will note the generation of your of the Youth League, the first generation of the Youth League of 1944, which influenced largely the, the armed struggle and the policy of the ANC when it came to the resistance of the apartheid regime, right down to the recruitment of, of people that were required in order to give the armed struggle life. And you look at also the struggles of the student movement as well that kept the home fires burning when the organization was banned together with the SACP under the Suppression of Communism Act, the role that young people gathered in various civic formations and even student organizations were able to play in terms of ensuring that the, 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 the struggle continues, as it were to say, hence the slogan, Aluta Continua. And you look at, you know, beyond, uh, look at the current generation of the FISMAS 4 generation, you know, you look at other generations, successive generations of the Youth League, and even around the struggle for the call of economic freedom as well, you find young people at the forefront. So it is indeed an honest and frank and factual acknowledgement uh, by the ANC, and it is commendable, it is notable. However, the argument on the other end would also be to say, even though it has been acknowledged, but has it been demonstrated in terms of enabling or granting young people the necessary space for them to be able to influence the ANC. So that, that is in itself is a debate currently on whether the role of young people has indeed been acknowledged uh, in so far as them being granted space when it comes to you know, state institutions and uh, how much space are they given, how much leverage have they been given. And even when it comes to issues of succession as well, you would note that the president of the Youth League has spoken about the need for youthful ministers. He has spoken about the need for more youthful, uh, you know, NEC of the ANC, which to some degree has been achieved because you know would know that the ANC is not necessarily an ageist organization. It is an organization that believes in a principle of generational mix. It seeks to harness all the energies of the different generations for the benefit of the struggle and the organization. But uh, you know, there's been a call, persistent call, you know, by by the youth league, and rightfully so to say that uh, it's time that young people are given a much more greater responsibility in terms of carrying the struggle forward, because indeed the future that is spoken of is a future in which young people are going to feature in. So allow them space to be able to shape it. So it is really indeed a, 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 an issue for debate, but we acknowledge the statement. It's a good one. But when you look at it on the flip side, you know, given the points that I've raised, uh, some would argue that it's just a mere rhetoric because it's there in the annals of history and you have to acknowledge it. But whether you've given it practical expression, it's another debate as well. But th those are some of the internal issues and the uh, issues that come out sharply by the youth league. And, and, and the ANC statement also mentions the, the achievements in empowering women and increasing their participation in, in, in the organization and other structures. Now, how does the ANC youth league work to ensure that there is proper gender inclusive, inclusivity and uh, empowerment of young women with its, its own structures and this filtrating to you know to 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 other sectors of society 
Mm. Well, indeed, you would know that the, the Youth League is also a league of the ANC. So it cannot necessarily define itself outside of the ANC from a policy point of view. And largely in terms of some of its functions and some of the progressive steps, that the ANC has taken to, you know, uh, ensuring that gender equality or gender representation is something that is entrenched. The Youth League has done so. The Youth League does also have uh, a policy or clause within its constitution that that sets, uh, you know, the equality and representation of females within leadership structures as a priority. It has gone uh, to that extent. Uh, it has also championed uh, largely, you know, when it comes to the issue of a representation of not only different genders, but also representation of the other communities uh, that have come. You know, there's one 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 key thing that has emerged uh, in, in 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 recently, which has been taken by the ANC, is that representation of the LGBTQI plus community as well. So I think the Youth League has 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 really been accommodative of that. And even if you look at some of the graduates of the Youth League, because the Youth League is also a preparatory school of the ANC, there are quite a number of, of women leaders that have emerged from the structure that have been able to go on and lead in government. So the ANC Youth League has also been at the forefront in terms of championing uh, struggles against gender-based violence and in terms of also defending children's rights. So it's a space where it has played a great role and continues uh, to play a great role with the collaboration with the other leagues, such as the Women's League and other formations as well. So there's a very strong emphasis uh, around that when it comes to that. However, there is also a perspective that we need to be able to, in the context of what we're experiencing currently, and I can bring it closer to home, around the, the kidnapping and the killing of, of, of young females or human trafficking as well. Uh, we also believe that there needs to be greater you know, uh, you know, management of, of this process uh, or harsher measures that can be imposed on perpetrators of this. Uh, largely, the argument would say that there's an immigration crisis in South Africa, and it has been found that a lot of the human trafficking that has happened is as a result of some of these uh, migratory patterns where you find people that uh, actually use young girls in order to transport them to foreign lands so that they're able to to get money out of that and put them in situations where their lives are in danger related to other activities of criminality or drug trafficking and so forth. There needs to be much more stronger interventions in terms of, uh, you know, protecting the girl child and creating more opportunities for the girl child to ensure that they do not play, do not fall victim to, to, to such things, you know, going forward in the future. And one of the key interventions out of that, besides the issue of policing and regulations, we spoke about opportunities. It's very important that we create some enough opportunities for young people, especially females, to be able to play a much more greater role in the economy and not be limited to that. The, the, the other thing that was spoken about in the in the speech is the the you know the the importance of education and the ANC's uh, commitment towards that goal of getting like higher levels of literacy and getting as many young people as possible uh, enrolled in institutions of hiring and getting our nation an educated nation. Now, what mm -hmm. what the ANC's youth league's role in encouraging uh, you know young people to get into these uh, 
institutions of higher learning and actually get opportunities or take opportunities of learning which are provided for by this democracy? Well, as, as, as you are well aware that uh, there's currently what is called the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, uh, which seeks to deal with uh, the cost barriers into higher education, especially for students that come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Uh, we're also having a program that we champion at the beginning of each and every year through one of our alliance partners, which is the South African Students' Congress, which is called the Right to Learn Campaign, where you know the South African Students' Congress, which is uh, the student arm, I would say, of the PYA, which is the Progressive Youth Alliance, which is an alliance with the Youth League, it seeks to ensure that all barriers that are there in institutions of higher learning that prevent learners or whatever difficulties that are there are eliminated and thus improving the management or the transition and the experience of, of learners in higher education and also democratizing higher education. So in so far as ensuring that we have that, there's campaigns such as the Right to Learn campaign. There's other initiatives that are being championed by the Youth League in terms of provision of uh, you know bursaries and unlocking opportunities through various government institutions. Your CETAs, which are obviously also great drivers of, of, of assisting young people going through employment and eventually finding per permanent employment and also training. They also provide a lot of assistance in terms with regards to that. So it is also, you know, uh, mobilizing stakeholders, uh, you know, as widely as possible to be able to contribute to this thing. And that is where I think the role of the Youth League has been quite substantive and, and can be quite felt when in working with its alliance partner, which is the South African Students' Congress. However, it does not imply that, uh, you know, the problem has been completely solved because you would know that the problem with our higher education system is that uh, as it has been classically defined, it's like a revolving door. You know, you solve one issue, but the issue still continues. It is a sector that is still undergoing a lot of transformation. And it is a sector that also needs quite a lot of work and it is a sector where we as the youth league have also believed that young people can play a much, much greater role given the experience that they've gained from institutions of higher learning in ensuring that the higher education system works well. There's also a problem of expanding our head. I'm saying while we're on this, you absolutely have a right to, 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 to say what you like and write what you like, but... Right now, we, don't, we, we, we're not all, we do not all have the right to speak for as long as we want. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but you're going well. Yeah. Honest to say, like, for, for at this, on this point, around the accusations leveled against the Minister of Higher Education, uh, with regards to the, you know, the corruption happening at Nefsas. Is, 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 is there any view, given the fact that there are allegations leveled mm -hmm. at, the, at the minister who's a, you know, who's also a, a, a member of your party? Yeah, indeed, the, the allegations have been made. However, as you would know that uh, he who alleges needs to prove and that should be proven in the courts of law and not in the courts of public opinion, because uh, the evidence that is alleged to be there is quite damning and very serious evidence. And we believe that the organization that believe that that claims that it has that evidence should rightfully, because they it, it also has a 
a duty, you know, to take that to the relevant law enforcement authorities, have it tested, and let it be proven. You know, yeah. aside from that, there are issues. Would, would it be incorrect, therefore, for us to, to you know, to to believe that it would be correct for the minister to step aside uh, while these allegations have been proven or disproven? At this current point in time, like I stated, that this organi- the organization called Alta uh, has gone out into the media and claimed that this is what they have. You know, such as thus far, only thing that we have is a claim. Uh, we're not even sure even if they have those tapes. So this could merely be a witch hunt, you know. So saying that the minister should step aside based on something that could very much be false, and uh, whether they can even be able to verify whether it is indeed the voice of the minister and the voice of the chairperson that is there. That, you know, there's there's a lot of technicalities that need to be done there. But mm-hmm. the policy of the ANC is quite clear when it comes to dealing with corruption and stepping aside. It does speak to the fact that once there are allegations and there are charges or it has been reported to a court of law, only then can the process begin to follow. It is not really based on hearsay or rumours. So at this point in time, this organization has gone to the media, but it has not yet gone back to the country to say that we have fulfilled our responsibility as an organization that is that believes that there's an element of corruption and we want to take this forward to the relevant law enforcement authorities. So that's when I think I believe or that this can also begin to kick in, whereas the minister will then have to go and answer formally. Uh, you know, on these charges that have been leveled against uh, uh, the minister. Uh, like I stated initially, before you before you enter uh, uh, the quote, you know, Kwede uh, Mandashe once made a, 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 a remark that when you open the windows for fresh air, <laughs> uh, there is bound to be some flies that will come in to disturb. And that is just yeah. like that last question I asked you because it was not in the plans of this particular issue. <laughs> but I want to, there's another one that will follow up, which sort of uh, speaks to what we've just spoken about, although it is not a, this one was definitely in our questions. You know, the statement mm-hmm. also emphasizes on the need for ethical leadership and accountability. Now, how does the NCU think work to instill ethical practices among, amongst its own members? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Uh, you need you need you need ethical leadership. Uh, but uh, the view is that it's not it it well everything rises and falls on leadership. But at the same time, we must also acknowledge the role that is played by those who are tasked with the responsibility of ensuring that our policies get implemented, and that is the the, the, the administrators themselves, because the nexus of corruption within the public service. And we can also extend it to the private sector as well, is that on the one hand, you've got somebody who would want to corrupt you or somebody who would want to bribe you. But there should also be, on the other hand, somebody who would want to comply, and that would be the corruptee. So there's a relationship that is there, and that is what we need to dismantle. So in as much as you can have an ethical leadership and call for ethical leadership, there should also be a focus on also building an ethical bureaucracy. You know, and that is behind also some of the successes of most developmental states. If you look across the world, if you have a, a, a an ethical, you know, a public service, 
And if you've got a patriotic public service, you'll notice that a lot of things in the country begin to work. In South Africa, we have a problem of uh, not only a public service that that that, that is that lacks patriotism in certain respects, but there's also examples of public servants that are not necessarily ethical, you know, on top of there being a problem of leadership. But I agree that you need leaders that will drive that agenda. But our argument is that it does not only end there. We need to deal with the entire ecosystem because it does not only rest on those who are leaders that come each and every five years. It's also important to deal with those that are full-time in the administration, that are permanent, that have to ensure that these policies get life beyond a political organization or beyond a certain political leader who would have served their term. So it is absolutely important. And that is why, you know, uh, structures such as the Youth League, which is a preparatory school of the ANC, is where these things should begin and these things should start. And uh, in the Youth League, there's quite a very uh, comprehensive political education program that is currently being rolled out by the NEC of the ANC Youth League, which will filter down to provinces that also contains these things. Also, there's other interventions as well, like the Tambo School of Leadership uh, that has within its curriculum where it deals with these kinds of elements. But uh, in so far as, you know, you can have you can have rules, you can have a curriculum that is good, but Unfortunately, those principles and curriculums do not walk the street. They need to be able to find expression. So you need leaders that will be able to understand that and also ingrain that among our people as well. So no doubt, we do need uh, ethical leaders. Uh, we do need ethical public servants for this country to be able to work. Yep, I was actually okay. I was I was I was recording my question. I have only three questions, to be honest. Um, Hue, in your honest, honest thought, or how can I put it, opinion, has the ANC been fair to the young generation of this country? Number one, do you believe mm -hmm. for it? Do you think for the ANC has confidence in young people of this country, and? Do you think there will ever be a day where the ANC will admit at its wrongdoings? Just those three. Uh, let's start with number three. Okay. The ANC is always acknowledging its wrongdoings <laughs> at all times. The ANC has acknowledged its wrongdoings. The ANC has apologized because the ANC is an organization that is accountable to the people. That is yeah. why from time to time, you will see leaders of the ANC going to communities to engage with communities, calling what are called imbizos or community meetings, where they are you know, speaking to the people and they're answerable to the people. So where wrong has been done, the ANC has always acknowledged wrong. And the ANC has always tried to correct its wrongs. The unfortunate part is that uh, for an organization of its size, you know, uh, there will be elements that would want to, you know, distract the ANC. There would be elements within the ANC yeah. that create or tarnish the image of the ANC. And that is what for the past couple of years since the Nazarek resolution, the ANC has taken a conscious effort at coming up with, with mechanisms and how to deal with members of the ANC that bring the name of the ANC into disrepute. 
because largely that has also been a problem within the ANC. And you would know the ANC has come up with structures such as the Integrity Commission, has come up with the policy of step of, of step aside for those who are in public service, you know. So in terms of it acknowledging its wrongdoing, I think it is among the most honest political organizations that you find here in South Africa in terms of being accountable to the people. You'll never hear the DA saying that they got certain things wrong in the Western Cape. I mean, for example, if you look at currently what is happening, and I'll bring something relevant because right now it's that period where uh, this, this, this is being tested. You look at admissions to schools in the Western Cape. Right now there's an issue of uh, you know schools in the Western Cape uh, where a lot of our Black African people want to get their children admitted into a, a lot of the schools in the Western Cape. They are told about a policy of quotas uh, you know, that they cannot admit a certain number of young people yet. Uh, the reality of the matter is that in South Africa, education is a right. Uh, the reality of the matter in South Africa is that it does not say that you're only entitled to education in so far as it is qualified in terms of whether there's X, Y, Z. Education is a basic right. And that is why you find that in a lot of the schools in our townships, uh, owing to a number of factors, you know, there's population growth in our townships, you'll find that infrastructure that is there, schools and, and clinics that were existing only accommodated a certain number. Now that the populations have grown, you'll find that these schools become you know, overcrowded. But it is out of an understanding that there's a basic principle here that you cannot deny someone education. You know, So you find organizations that do not want to acknowledge their wrongs, that still want to stick to a principle that really goes against the mere fabric of the constitution. So I was using that example to you, to show you that this is an organization that is honest and admits its wrongdoing. Number two, you asked whether the ANC has been, young, have been fair on young people. I think to a great extent, the ANC has been fair uh, on young people. The ANC has a dedicated policy focus for young people. The ANC has even created a ministry of young people in government. When you go to our municipalities, there's a youth office. You've got youth development officers that are interested and in, uh, catering for the affairs of young people. The question should really be that given all these interventions that the ANC has made, have you know young people met the ANC halfway? Now, I don't want us to generalize when we speak about young people, because indeed, the examples of young people that have used these opportunities that have been created by the ANC government, and there's examples of them where they've been able to succeed. But there's also a large contingent of young people that have fallen through the cracks that we have missed, you know, and that is why I think that we cannot necessarily level that against the ANC. We should ask our communities to also assist you know, the ANC in being able to reach those young people that it otherwise did, was not able to reach that have fallen through the cracks. So to a large extent, I think that it has been fair. Uh, but I really think that when it comes to young people, I mean, a nation that, that does not care for its youth is a nation that does not deserve its future. Our communities really need to start stepping up when it comes to, you know, how we appreciate and how we ensure that young people are protected within our spaces. So in terms of your second question with regards to confidence in young people, I think for the longest time it has demonstrated confidence in young people. Uh, but the issue really now is that how far can it go uh, 
you know, in terms of bringing in young people. Now we know uh, there's the there's the argument about there being a lot of old people in our government, old people in parliament. Now the question here is how far can we go? Are we prepared to have a parliament? For example, let's say out of 400 uh, seats, we can have 300 you know seats dedicated to young people. Is that how far we're willing to go? You know, but there's also another question on the flip side to say. Are we not creating an impression that seeks to say that in South Africa, when you're an elder, when you're older at a certain age, you are therefore useless. You can't contribute, you know. So we always need to be able to bring across that balancing act. <laughs> so for me, the main question is whether how far are we willing to go uh, to bring young people on board? Are we maintaining the balancing act or are we going, you know, to take young people as they are? Because... We must not assume that just because you are young, you are wiser and you are more revolutionary and you're more competent and you are more capable, you know. So we shouldn't make that mistake of, of trying to make everything about age. Let everything be about what contribution can we make. But we must always be mindful that there's young people that will need to carry on, you know, the tradition that is there. No, it was very vocal uh, uh, on, on, on this thing of a youth representation in, 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 in all sectors of uh, our economy and in government. And there was, there was a time when you guys were, were advocating very strongly for youth directorates in departments, in municipalities, and so on. Is uh, that mm-hmm. still the, 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 the view of the ends you think that there has to be this kind of directorate in municipalities, in, in government departments, and so on? And if so, uh, how, 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 you know, how well implemented is this perhaps a resolution of the ANC Youth League? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak on the issue of the implementation because I, there's a lot of evidence that we can draw to the fact that we do have these things that are existing. But the implementation part is where we are finding a lot of problems because uh, it's pointless to have a youth you know, development officer whose budget is still controlled by you know, you know, one particular office, which is in the office of the executive mayor. You do need, for us to be serious about the youth development agenda, we do need to have resources that are dedicated and resources that cannot be that can that should be controlled and specifically derived for youth development programs and also the importance of accountability as well because it's difficult for 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 a lot of you know for our government to be able to quantify how much they've spent on youth development so i think that's the most critical thing if we are if we can be able to say that for a country this size or a municipality this size uh, let there be at least 10 to 15 percent that can be spent on youth development programs solely. Then we'll be able to quantify how much is it that we're contributing to youth development and be able to see what is it that needs to be done or, or whether the strategies that we're implementing are effective or not. Currently, the problem is that we're not taking that approach when it comes to that implementation. There's just a few programs here and there that are said to be youth orientated. Uh, there's also a dedicated month where you have youth, youth related or youth orientated programs, but none of these things are quantified. And no one asked the question about whether what has been the developmental impact of some of these things.
produce evidence and you should be able to be able to quantify it you know and it's important for government to have that kind of approach when it comes to youth development we can say even down to your municipalities and even provincial governments and have a standalone youth development directorate that is dedicated to that. One of the reasons why we also need to have a standalone youth directorate program is that into youth development programs. Youth development programs must not be approached in a generic fashion, you know, with, with common sense. To say, yeah, there's a problem of substance abuse, so let's come up with an anti-substance abuse of youth development program. So the call to 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 have these example, you look at HR, for example. Uh, with HR, people get to go and study HR. People get to have insights into HR. There are systems that are developed. There's strategies that are developed on how to improve workplace performance. You know, uh, we don't have that when it comes to youth development. So once we have a directorate and it's taken seriously, I think we'll be able then to bring up speaking. We'll be having a completely different conversation when it comes to issues of youth development. And the the the, the, the statement also spoke about the the need to. Crisis in the country. Now, how does the NCUFBIC view the impact of energy constraints on economic opportunities for young entrepreneurs and what solutions does it propose? We all know that uh, number one, one of the reasons why South Africa is a destination for, invest for investment is because energy here in South Africa compared to most countries around the world is cheap. Of money for energy because of how we generate energy and the cost at which we generate it at. Now, when having load shedding, it's costing businesses because businesses are that creates a very serious problem for, for, for us as a country. So we really need to resolve the energy crisis. But also, there's the opportunity now that exists. Uh, with the conventional means in which we've been uh, creating energy or generating energy in South Africa, there has to be an energy mix. And when we transition into the alternative energy, we must do so. We must do the country because a lot of things are dependent on how we are generating energy and the sources of energy that we have. So the energy action plan that is currently being pushed by our government is a very good uh, plan, but we need to give it greater confidence so that it is able to end load shedding. And we have opportunities for young people to enter into the green energy space that requires our government to also invest uh, you know, in youth-led enterprises on how we are able to generate alternative means of energy. Whether 
capacity. We substitute what we import and we industrialize it locally so that you create more opportunities for young people. Whether it is wind energy, we should be able to industrialize because we know that our TVET sector is primarily anchored on programs that are vocational, that are there for training to and incubate them so that they are able to contribute to, 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 to the solutions. So without a doubt, the energy crisis is costing our country. We need a solution right now, but that solution must also include young people. And inclusion of young people there. And, and uh, you know, the, the, I think one of the most important uh, crises that Is, is the is the crisis of economics like our economic situation mm-hmm. contributes to many other problems that we're having as a as a country now as a province um we have i think a number the other one is there but as the is with the problem of economics in the province mm-hmm. And enterprise development, I think, as you have uh, referred in your, in your in your previous reply, that to say, how can you develop programs which may benefit young people to take advantage of the problems that we have in the space of the economy of the blue state? The working committee of the Youth League met with the, the chairperson of the ANC, who is also the premier. And there has been, there's an agreement that there needs to be sessions where, you know, various members of or MECs that hold respective portfolios can come and engage with the Youth League as it is being done with our NEC. You've noticed that our NEC has... I, I, sorry, man, I, I don't process. know if there, is, there seems to be like some... And friendly feedback coming from your from your side. Uh, My side. The, the better. Uh, as you speak. Okay. Is it better? No, but it's fine. I think we can continue. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was I was pointing out that uh, our NEC has already started with the process, and we in the Free State as well are going to start initiating it this year, where we are going to have sessions with each and every NEC to hear what is it that they are doing in terms of the overall program, and but particularly our interest is around young people. Um, generic issues would be around the representation of young people in your departments and the critical areas in which they are working in, uh, such as your senior management level, your middle management, and even at your junior level staff. What empowerment programs are there uh, for junior staff that are mainly young people? And also, more importantly, how much are being spent towards uh, programs within, in line with the departmental mandate? 
that are of service of, of benefit to young people. For example, we can look at agriculture. When it comes to agriculture, we want to know how many uh, young farmers you know, are being supported through the various interventions and various programs. Uh, what are the targets of the department in terms of how many young people do they want to train and attract into the agricultural sector? We also want to see how much support is being provided you know, to young people that are in agribusiness you know, as well. And we can also do this to other departments as well. You spoke about your department of tourism. No, I, you know I think tourism... we're struggling now to hear you because of that feedback sound. Of the mm -hmm. feedback sound of the uh, okay. But I just wanted to conclude very quickly, uh, 30 seconds, mm -hmm. on the message of the ANC Youth League to uh, those who are beginning school tomorrow. So our message to those who are beginning schools tomorrow is precisely, you know, you know you've got your, your grade ones, uh, you know, but that much of an issue. We have a problem here in South Africa that a lot of people that enter grade one uh, do not eventually end up going through the entire schooling system and finishing the trick. Uh, we want to urge young people to ensure that they support uh, each other and that they also ensure that they, they, they align themselves with the support of parents as well to ensure that they dedicate themselves towards the schooling uh, because in South Africa what's very critical is that we need to have an educated uh, workforce we need to have an educated and we need to have a skilled workforce but you have to be literate and numerate at a basic level for you to be able to be a, a, a contributor to the economy and also be able to be uh, a receiver of, 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 of all the opportunities that is there. Second to that in our message is that of communities need to protect uh, school infrastructure. School infrastructure is very critical. It is infrastructure that enables the process of learning to happen, and we must guard it against any sort of elements or criminal elements that are there, and we must always lend a hand where possible. The third one and the last one is for us as communities to play a role within our schools. We must be part of these SGPs. You know, we must always be part of uh, checking whether what is the correct order of the school, checking about the conduct of these schools and checking what is it that is being done, that has been corrected and assisting in general, which whichever way that we can as members of the community. So that's what we want to encourage young people to do, to ensure that learning happens in an environment that is safe and that there are no interruptions, that they must play a role as activists of the National Democratic Revolution to ensure that young people as motive forces of our revolution are able to benefit from the democratic gains uh, of our revolution. Thank you very much, uh, Pio Mati of the ANC and the ANC Youth League, uh, speaking his own uh, opinions and sometimes speaking opinions of the organizations that he represents. <laughs> uh, it's a good combination. <laughs> We should be allowed to be both individuals and representatives of, uh, you know, of things that we think are part of us. Um, good luck for the rest of the year, and we will uh, continue to engage with you and pick your brains on this on that issue. Um, we are out, but we will. Uh, I think we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll engage with you in the background before you log out. Uh, but for now, we're out. <laughs>